the Sunday Sermons Podcast. And we're going to continue the series of sermons about Jesus. And the reason for this is that we want to get to know him better. And and we want to study the many stories of his interaction with people in a lot of different situations. We want to understand more fully the character and the teaching of our Lord and Savior. And that's why today we're preaching on the subject of forgiveness. Uh, This is something that, you know, you just praise God. It's awesome. But there's a lot of responsibilities that come with our forgiveness that I want to point out to you today. Now, I think we understand that there were two main reasons that Jesus left heaven and took on human form. One was to become our Savior. The other was to become our Lord. Both of these have to do with the subject of forgiveness. Uh, He came to provide a way for us to receive forgiveness. That was his role as Savior. But as Lord, he also teaches us the necessity of extending forgiveness, which is highly important. But let's talk about these one by one here. The first thing that Jesus had to teach us about forgiveness is that we needed a Savior. We were lost. We knew that our sin stood between us and God. We feared death. And so Jesus came as our Savior to restore our relationship with God. And our relationship with Christ helps us to understand forgiveness a lot more from God's perspective. God wants to forgive. God wants to save. Jesus made this so clear in his ministry. Uh, And the thing of it is, without forgiveness, though, our salvation is impossible because there is no way for us to allow or for God to allow us to enjoy eternal life with him without this forgiveness. We need to understand that God so loved this world, he sent Jesus to make it possible to save us from judgment and eternal hell. Because only, only the sacrifice of Jesus could remove the one thing that was standing in the way of our, forgi- of our salvation. And that was the forgiveness for all of our sins. Our sin separate us from God. And God's forgiveness, we have to understand more than any other thing you might need, God's forgiveness is the thing that we need most. You don't want to leave this life without that. It's so important. Now, salvation is more than forgiveness, but this forgiveness is essential for our salvation because there could not be any restoration of eternal life with God like he created it to have, for us to have in the beginning. We can't have this without the forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is great. There's so many things that I would like to say about forgiveness, but you just rejoice in it all the time. But what makes forgiveness so wonderful is the love that motivated that forgiveness. If there wasn't any love for us, he could have just said, let him go. But that love would not permit that. It's love, God's love, that made forgiveness possible. And without love, For God or for us, forgiveness is impossible. We need to understand that. Forgiveness is a gift 
that God gives, a gift of mercy and grace. And there is nothing that we could do to earn our forgiveness or to earn our salvation. We weren't even seeking it. We put it off. We rejected it. We ran from it. I think Paul describes our situation in a a very good way here. Or John, he says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What an awesome gift. What an awesome gift. But forgiveness from God's perspective was not easy. We are a fallen people. We turned our backs on God. We weren't seeking him. Paul explained it best in this way in his letter to the Ephesians. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. And Paul reminds us, it is by grace you have been saved. We deserved wrath, but love made the forgiveness. Paul also wrote to the Colossians. He said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we understand that. A lot of us here understand about the essentialness of forgiveness and coming to Christ for salvation. But the second thing that Jesus had to teach us about forgiveness concerns our relationship with him as Lord. Forgiveness is not only for our eternal benefit, it also opens up the way for us to live a whole new life here on earth. We can look at it like this. I think God looks at it like this, that forgiveness is an investment in us. Doesn't know what will come of it, but I think we can do this. When people receive God's forgiveness, they can not only reclaim the privilege of eternal life with God that he intended for us from the beginning, but they have a chance to start over and live a new life. It's like God saying, I know you can do better. Let's start over with a clean record. This time, live for me. Let me be Lord. And forgiveness gives it that chance. And God's saying, here's what you need. Accept it. Receive it. Now, in my second ministry, I was asked to call on a man who was living a very sinful life, well known in the little community there, and people asked for me to call on him, and I went. And I was explaining about God's forgiveness that was available to him and the new life that he could have in Christ. And he said, preacher, I appreciate you coming. 
But you know, I, I'm, I'm just so steeped in this kind of life. I, I don't think I could live any different than I live now. In fact, I, I think the only hope that I would have of living that kind of life would be for me to die and then start all over again, knowing what I know now so I wouldn't get into all this stuff. And it was my joy to say, that's exactly what we're offering you. Forgiveness gives that chance. God says you can do it. You can do better. I want us to look at the example that Jesus set for us in his own life and ministry. He demonstrated God's love in many other ways besides his death on the cross. And it was demonstrated most by the evident love that he showed for people, especially those needing a second chance. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, the outcast, the marginal people, the immoral people. And the one thing that we need to notice about Jesus and his example is that not only is he our example, he is the personification of the gospel and the love of God. And what's marvelous is when we see Jesus forgiving and healing and associating with the sinners and the tax collectors, what we're seeing is God's love in action. The scripture says this, the son is the invisible, or is the image of the invisible God. And God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So when you see Jesus interacting with people, this is the fullness of God interacting with them, giving them, offering forgiveness and a second chance. As Jesus interacted with people, they sensed and experienced the presence of God and his love. And Jesus loved them, offered forgiveness, and in receiving forgiveness, they were offered a new way of life. In saving the woman from death that was caught in adultery, he gave her a chance to change her life, build a new, rebuild a relationship with God and with her husband and with her family. But she could start over knowing I'm forgiven. Jesus talked with the outcast Samaritan woman to let her know that she was not beyond forgiveness. He even forgave Peter for his betrayal and reinstated him for the Great Commission. And here's the one thing that I want us to notice about Jesus as he interacts with people. And this is the example that we're to follow. Jesus never let a person's sin keep him from loving and offering forgiveness. Never. So we're studying Jesus' life because He's shown us the way that God intends for us to live. And we too can be a personification of God's love. Do you realize how important you are? You know, that's the way, that's the reason that Satan works through our sinful nature and our self-righteousness to keep us from following Jesus' example. I'm afraid that we, we tend to look down or look, look down on it or look the other way when we're around people who obviously aren't trying to live a lifestyle that's pleasing to God. And it's not that we totally shun them, 
but we don't take advantage of the opportunities that we have to love people for Jesus and to share the message of God's love. We're to follow the Jesus example and, and create opportunities to engage them in conversation and let them experience God's love flowing through us. I want us to always extend forgiveness. But remember this, love is where it starts. Love is what makes forgiveness possible. And withholding love withholds forgiveness and consequently withholds new life a lot of times. Wow. Jesus is our Lord and he never withheld the offer for forgiveness or the message for forgiveness. So he's taught us another aspect that is essential for our forgiveness, and that's this one. And here's where quit preaching and gone to meddling, as they used to say. It's our problem with forgiving others who have sinned against us. Now we need to remember that what they have done to hurt us is really sinning against God. We just bear the consequence of their sinful behavior. But we love the joy of being forgiven for our sins against God, but we often find it so difficult to forgive others' sins against us. Now, I understand, and I'm going to share some ways that I hope let you know I understand. Being hurt makes it difficult to love. And the greater the hurt, and the more times that you're hurt, the difficulty for love grows even more. And when it's difficult to love, it's difficult to forgive. But when we choose to love and forgive others, then what we're doing is what God does. We're investing in their lives just like Jesus did. We're coming to them with God's message. I think you can do better. Let's try it again and live for him as the Lord. Now, don't ever withhold your love. love. Without that love, you're not gonna reach out. You're not gonna try. Don't withhold that love. Love them like Jesus loves them. Now, we've just gotta remember, Jesus loved us, God forgave us, this is the message that we have for others. But here's the thing that we need to understand about forgiving others. It is commanded. It is a command for us that we love others as we love ourselves and beyond that to love others as Christ loved us. And keep in mind that Jesus prayed for the forgiveness for those who demanded his death and ridiculed his death as he hung there in pain, suffering for their salvation. I think surely we can forgive much lesser sins, can't we? We need to. But our sinful nature wants to limit how many times should we forgive when there are repeated hurts. <laughs> you know that Peter had that problem too, remember? He came to Jesus and asked, Lord, 
How many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Benny thought that was pretty good. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And that's not saying, okay, after 78, you can stop. You can, no, this is saying there's no limit. It's always to be extended in every situation. I'm not proud of it, but there was a time when I self-righteously withheld love and withheld forgiveness. The one who was causing the hurt was my mother-in-law. Anyone else understand? We won't go there. Okay. Now, in her mind, I could do nothing right. She came to live with us while we're waiting on John to be born, and she started criticizing how I was going about my ministry and so on. And she went on to make several other comments, and she was on Sharon, she was on me, and it just was rubbing me the wrong way. And over time, I just really developed a real resentment for this, and I started avoiding any conversation with her. Now, Sharon urged me to try to make things right in the relationship. But I felt like, well, if she wanted to improve the relationship, she owes me an apology. I've done nothing wrong. She just came in and just started criticizing and condemning everything. And I was digging my heels in. It was getting worse. I developed a good collection of mother-in-law jokes that I like to tell. Sort of, no, we're not going there. I've learned that's wrong. But it was so bad, Sharon's mom was in a minor car accident and we were telling someone about it and the lady said, oh, is she hurt? And before Sharon could answer, I said, no, but her broom was a total loss. <laughs> yeah, that's your preacher here. <laughs> Unfortunately, the relationship continued to deteriorate because I saw no wrong in myself. I was the one who was offended and hurt. She was the one sowing discord, not me. But one morning as I was preparing the next Sunday sermon on love and forgiveness, God opened my eyes through the word and I thought, I see my wrong and I am dead wrong. So I just closed up and left the study, went over to the house, and I told Sharon, pack your bags, we're heading for Pennsylvania. I said, I've got to make things right with your mom. So we took off, we got up there, and, and I told them, I said, uh, we need to talk. And I confessed my lack of love for her. It was hard because I kept saying, well, it's not that I hate her, I just don't love her. Well. <laughs> If you don't love, you're not loving. We got that? I, I didn't see that. I confessed my lack of love. I confessed my unforgiveness that I was just continuing to hold a grudge and be bitter and resentful. But I confessed that. I asked for her forgiveness. And I pledged to her that I would love her as Christ loved her from that day forward. Now, she never apologized. 
And I didn't care. I was free. I took care of my problem. And you can't, maybe you can't. There's a burden lifted there. It's just gone. You let it go. And it was a wonderful feeling. So what happened was, I'd made the decision to love, and that made forgiveness possible. You see, and forgiveness paved the way for the healing in that relationship with my mother-in-law. But more than that, it brought a deeper, stronger relationship with my Lord and my Savior and my understanding all about forgiveness a whole lot more than I had up to that point. Now, what I learned was that, and you've probably heard this expression, unforgiveness, withholding love and forgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. <laughs> right? But who's dying? Who's the one being poisoned here? Well, perhaps you know, but often the person who hurts you doesn't really care. They're not bothered by it at all. They don't know how deeply you're hurt, but it doesn't really matter to them. But the bitterness and the resentment is always there. There is no love. And the devil makes all your bitterness seem justified. And it's not. Jesus is the king, and what he says is the law of the kingdom is a lot different from this. We are to live by the law of love. There is no forgiveness without love. And love is what makes the forgiveness possible. Hate, or if you want to say lack of love, but it's not love. Hate makes forgiveness impossible also. Hate thrives in unforgiveness. It robs us of peace, and it corrupts our life and our heart with all kinds of bitterness. How do we show the love of God holding those sort of things in? At one point this morning when we were singing, we were singing that part, It Is Well With My Soul. I remember that during that time when we would sing that song, I'd say, It's almost well. If I could just have a better relationship with my mother-in-law. But I was the one that was holding it up, and I didn't realize it for far too long. Now, you've had trouble with forgiveness too, forgiving other people. Maybe you're still involved in something like this. I want to give you some help of how you can overcome this and how you can give Jesus the victory in your life. First thing you have to do is to make a willful decision, I will love that person. And make the decision too, I will forgive as I have been forgiven. And then ask God for help. So many people say, God help me to forgive. But they don't do anything about it. They expect God to zap them. It's not going to happen that way. It's got to be your willful decision to do so. That's where it starts. Next, refuse to think about it. You can choose what you want to think about. And you should, and you should choose the things that are more loving, that are more profitable for you spiritually. Don't think about it. Number two, don't talk about it. 
Now you'll hear a lot of other people telling stories about how they've been hurt and offended and it's just inside, oh, I got one to tell you better. No, don't talk about it. You're not to think about it. You're not to talk about it. And any time that you are around that person, then you speak and act in ways that honor God and display love for that person. You know, you can even pray a blessing for these people. Pray that God would change their lives, would help them to see, help them to know the joy of living in Christ. Okay, now after you've done all of these things, continue in that plan. Because forgiveness isn't, oh, I forgave them years ago, but still holding bitterness. I haven't forgot it. Still upsets me. Come on, you have to continue this process. You've decided. You're not talking about it, thinking about it. You're acting the way God wants you to live. Keep that up. Keep it going. It doesn't stop. But the great thing about it is that you can watch the bitterness go and you can watch the love flow. And it's awesome to have that kind of life change. But just remember, I was saying this several times, love makes forgiveness possible. Forgiveness makes new life possible and makes rebuilding relationships possible. Now, some people may never change. That's okay. You will. You'll change and it'll be for your good. You will be free and you'll be loving others like Jesus loves you. You see, we're members of the kingdom of God. We're not part of this society in a sense. And our king says that forgiving others who've sinned against us is expected and it is essential. I want to share some more scripture with you on that. The apostle Paul faithfully taught this in his apostles. To the Ephesians, he wrote to them, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Then he wrote to the Colossians saying, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now what this Life, this new life is what God wants us to have, to live according to the way that he created us to live. It's living the way that God originally designed us to live, and so it's opposite from living according to this sinful nature. But it's what I like to relate to the Sermon on the Mount and call this kind of living the blessed life. Now, Jesus has a lot of blessed are they well, those blessed ones are those who are experiencing the ultimate well-being and the distinctive spiritual joy of enjoying God's way of life in the kingdom of God. They live the life of obedience by faith in the promises of God and the commandments of God, looking forward to their eternal reward. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus said this of the blessed ones, theirs is the kingdom. They are comforted by God. They inherit the earth. They become filled with righteousness. 
They are shown mercy. They are pure in heart and will see God. They are called the children of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven and they will have great reward. Living life God's way. Now receiving God's forgiveness and extending God's forgiveness makes that salvation and that new life of the blessed ones possible. That's what we want for ourselves, is that new life. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is sort of giving his inaugural address, explaining what he expects the members of the kingdom to do and how they should live. And he had a lot more to say about forgiveness, and here's where it really gets important, because it is important to our salvation. In that Sermon on the Mount, he taught them how to pray with what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he taught us the one other very important thing that we need to remember about forgiveness. And that's the very next thing he said after he finished that model prayer, and it's this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father, your Heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. That's how important it is. Now, one other time, Jesus was instructing his disciples further about prayer, and he says this, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. At one other time, to illustrate the necessity of forgiving others and to drive home the point, Jesus told the parable of the unmerciful servant. I want you to follow along as I read this to you. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement... A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, in the Greek, it says the amount was 10,000 talents. A talent was the equivalent of 20 years of a day laborer's wages, or multiplying that by 10,000, 200,000 years' wages. Talk about a huge debt. But since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him and he canceled the debt and he let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now this would be equivalent to only a hundred days wages. Smaller debt. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. But he refused. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
Now, when the, uh, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant back in. And he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Those were Jesus' words, not mine. Are we understanding the main points here? Are we understanding just how important it is for us to extend the forgiveness and the love that we have received? God can forgive an awfully lot and much, much more than we probably imagine. Yet to God in His holiness, our sins against Him are much, much more hurtful than we realize. But He still loves us. Still loves us and still forgives. And if we're His children and members of His kingdom, He expects us to treat others as He has treated us. Now this sounds kind of harsh, but the kingdom of God is under the rule of our King Jesus. And we're God's children. And we have received His Holy Spirit. And our lives should be consistent in living in accordance with the Father's nature and in keeping His commands. And it destroys the witness that we're to have when the way we live conflicts with and does not represent the loving character of the Father. If He is so willing to love and forgive, we as His children should be willing to love and forgive also. And don't forget, we have the Great Commission to take this gospel, this message of love to the whole world and share this message, the forgiveness that he offers, the new life he offers, the eternal reward that he offers. We're his disciples. We're learning to follow the example is to live as he lived. So let's love as he loved. Let's forgive as he has forgiven us. Two last things I want to say to make a point here on this last. Always, always extend love to others. And then ask you, how do you need to accept God's love today? You know he loves you. Do you need to give your life to Christ and know the joy and the peace of not having to fear death and judgment? Don't you want the security of his love? He's offering it, and a new life can come with it. Let me ask some of the rest of you, whom is God asking you to love today? Don't fall into the trap that I did. Oh, I don't like them, but I don't hate them. The truth is you don't love them. Who is the one that you need to show love to today? 
Maybe it's someone that is particularly hard to forgive and hard to love. Christ says, do it anyway. That's the way we live according to God's way. Now, maybe you just need to open your heart more to reach out to those who really need Christ. Have we kept ourselves from those who are lost? No, let's, let's go to them. Let's love as Jesus loved. Let's be the personification of his love. So always extend love. The last thing is this. Always, always extend forgiveness. How do you need to accept God's forgiveness today? Do you want to be forgiven for the way that you've rejected God and sought your own way of life and just messed it up completely? Are you haunted by something that you did in your past and have trouble accepting that you have been forgiven? Forgiveness is there. You need to quit letting the devil use that against you. And then last question, who do you need to forgive today? Is there someone, don't care how long ago it is, if you're still holding a grudge, still bitter about what they did to you, can't let it go. Is that the one you need to forgive? You need to forgive them and love them like Jesus did and love them for Jesus to bring them to salvation. It's your decision. What do you need to do? What is God wanting you to do? Are you willing to obey and do what he says to do? That's a decision you have to make today. And I guarantee you, you will make that decision. You either decide, yes, I will, or you decide, no, I won't. And that second alternative is not what you want to do. You want to surrender to this great love and this great forgiveness and this new life that God offers. Would you stand and sing and make your decision for Christ?